0: Jesus is real
1: There's power in your name with our way We trust in your ways we need Jesus is real
0: It's beautiful like I'm blessed like to experience that beautiful childlike faith but when you watch somebody put it into practice see and i think that's what god is really interested in he's interested in translating head knowledge into lifestyle he's interested in translating head knowledge into lifestyle and so let me ask you right now what is in your head that you know to be true from the bible that is not being translated into your life
1: that's a heavy question pastor daniel just asked what part of the bible do you say you believe but you aren't actually putting into practice Maybe it's a lifestyle choice, or maybe it's the subject of today's message, being afraid. Pastor Daniel will talk about a transition of leadership today, and any transition can be stressful. Fear can become the number one response in an instant, but God's word is crystal clear. Do not fear. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31, as he continues his message, A New Leader.
0: Even before it's Joshua's job to lead them in In verse 3 Moses is rock solid Because he says The Lord your God himself crosses over before you He will destroy these nations from before you And you shall dispossess them Joshua himself crosses over before you Just as the Lord has said so he's reminding them, listen, I'm not going, but the Lord is going before you and the Lord has promised you this land and Joshua. And God already said that Joshua is going to be the guy who's going to go on in. So God's program for the nation did not depend on any human leader. It depended on God's power to fulfill his own promises. So he reminds them in verse four, of course, about Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites who were defeated. You read about them in Numbers 21 and Deuteronomy chapter three, all these different places. But notice it says in verse five, the Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, I want you to notice a few things there. First, in God's deliverance of these nations to the children of Israel, he doesn't say, I want you to treat them however you want to treat them. He says, I'm going to deliver them over to you, and I want you to treat them how my commandments teach you to treat people. Now, I think that's really important because as followers of the Lord, we have to learn how to be subordinate to the word of God and the ethics of the Bible and not just what we come up with. Because I think what goes on is that you can imagine, I mean, in the midst of a a battle between these nations and all the stuff that goes on, that there could be a good bit of vengeance that goes on. A good bit of like, you oppress my people and I'm going to get you back and then some. This escalation of tension. And he's like, no, no, no. I actually want you to treat them in all the ways that I've commanded you to treat people. And we always have to remember, we want to learn our ethics from the scriptures and not from the culture. Because every culture, as opposed to the scriptures, are very severe. Every culture ethically is more severe than our bibles because the ultimate ethic is the cross of jesus christ the lord and savior who would take off his outer garment and although the lord he would wash his disciples feet the lord who would say if somebody is thirsty give them something to drink if somebody is needy you take care of them if somebody is broken you are moved with compassion and you help them So even in the midst of conflict, we do not enter conflict in the same way as the world does, but we learn to treat people in accordance with God's word. And not only that, I love verses six. And you get a repeat of it in verse eight. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord, your God, he is the one who goes with you He will never leave you nor forsake you Now, I think all of you need to take your pen And you need to go and you need to underline it In the person next to you's Bible Just circle that verse right there Seriously though, it's like How many of us need to hear this all the time Be strong and of good courage Do not fear nor be afraid Isn't that an important word? don't fear don't be afraid be strong be of good courage now i'm not talking some like pop psychology some kind of like you're going to get work yourself up with these positive thoughts and these mantras but really what it is it's a reality because why for the lord your god he is the one who goes with you he will not leave you nor forsake you see this is a theological statement i like to say it this way because jesus is real we have nothing to fear Because Jesus is real, when you step out, I mean, the children of Israel have never, like, 12 guys went into the promised land. You remember the story, the 12 spies? And they came back with all this fruit, and 10 of them were like, there ain't no way we can take that land. It's not possible. The giants, there's walled cities, all this fruit, we can't do it. And two guys, Joshua and Caleb were like, no, no, yeah, it's all true, it's all crazy over there, but God is with us. See, this is a theological reality. This isn't some sort of like, you go to a, you know, a weekend seminar with your favorite pop guru and you feel like really good after it. This is like, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We say here across, we want to simply respond to Jesus, right? Here it is. You want to simply respond to Jesus? Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Be strong. Why? Because no matter where you go, the Lord is with you. And isn't that how, Jesus spoke at the end of Matthew's gospel when he said, what? And lo, I am with you, what? Always. Even until the end of the age. And in case anybody is looking for wiggle room, what does always mean? Always. You guys are deep Bible scholars. Always means in all ways. When it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he means it. That means that no matter where you are, my pastor, John Henrik, who I love with my whole heart, I'm so grateful for this guy. He used to say to me, Daniel, you and God in any crowd is a majority. I love that line. The question is, is do I believe it when push comes to shove? And that's the question for us today. See, this is where faith comes in. See, faith As the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when it says that I will never leave you nor forsake you, God is saying, you may not see me, but I am there. And will you trust me? Because I'm telling you that I'm there, and I am faithful even when you don't see it. I'm sure for a lot of you right now, you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, but. Because that's what I do when I hear that. I'm like, yeah, but. I used to think of a pastor, he used to say, ah, yeah, but, you got yeah, but disease. You got to cure that yeah, but disease. Because God knows, God knows that when we don't see him, we're going to doubt. So then you have what I see versus what the word of God tells me. And if you're one of those people who you're filled with fear, You're afraid, you're not strong and courageous. The reason that is, is because you're forgetting that the Lord, he's the one who goes with you and he'll never leave you. Everywhere you go, he is there. He was there before you got there. He knows the needs of every step of the journey and he's trustworthy. And you think about the legacy of this man, Moses. You think about what he's doing here. I mean, this is a leadership transition. He is installing his successor and he's telling the people, listen, you have nothing to be afraid of, not because I'm here or Joshua's here, but because the Lord is here. And my friends, this is good biblical discipleship right here. You always know when you're in trouble when a leader wants to link you to themselves. When a leader wants you, at best a leader could say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what the apostle Paul said. That's the best a leader can do. But a biblical leader is somebody who wants to link people to Jesus. And that's what Moses is doing. And what's beautiful is he says this to the people. He installs Joshua and he reminds them who the Lord is. And then in verse 7, then he speaks directly to Joshua in front of all the people. And so if you know leadership terminology or leadership philosophy, this would be called Moses is getting Joshua buy-in. He's bringing Joshua before all the children of Israel. And then he says, you, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord your God has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. Verse 8. He will be with you and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear Nor be dismayed. And what's really beautiful, of course, if you know your Bible, is that Joshua quotes almost these exact words often in his own book. And listen, and that's great discipleship as well. See, my pastor taught me all these things and I share them. I repeat my pastor. You parents, you're discipling your children. You are nurturing them. Are you putting the word of God into them so that they get the word of when the word of God comes out? My little daughter Maranatha is so, she's just so awesome. I think Maranatha is one of the most solid people I've ever met. She's eight, but she's solid. Like she's like one of those people who it's like she knows what she knows and she's really rock solid. And I'll never forget that she was walking with her Nana. So my mother passed away and my dad got remarried when I was in my 20s. And so Nana is my dad's wife Just love Nana She's just amazing And she was talking with my wife Lynn And she said You know And it really makes me scared And Maranatha said Oh Nana don't be afraid Jesus is with you And I'm just sitting there I just kind of chuckle You know like, You know And Nana's like You're right Maranatha You know And so it's funny now Is that when Maranatha Says You know dad I'm scared I'm like What would you tell Nana She said I told Nana not to be afraid Because Jesus is with her I'm like She's like, can we pray, Dad? I'm like, yeah. You know, and it's so, it's beautiful. Like, I'm blessed, like, to experience that beautiful childlike faith. But when you watch somebody put it into practice. See, and I think that's what God is really interested in. He's interested in translating head knowledge into lifestyle. He's interested in translating head knowledge into lifestyle. And so let me ask you right now, what Is in your head that you know to be true from the bible that is not being translated into your life I think the work of the spirit is to Reveal jesus to us and in us and then through us that we might respond to jesus as we move through the world And I know for all of us There are areas of head knowledge that is not being translated into lifestyle There is truths of the scriptures that the finished work of jesus by the power of the spirit is revealed in us That he wants us to put feet on. Moses exhorted Joshua. And then Joshua exhorted the people. And he walked this stuff out. And God wants us to walk the same stuff out. So what are you scared about today? What makes you nervous? Where do you find your courage waning? Now, if you know your Bible also, you also know that in our weakness, God's strength is made perfect. So the idea of courage And strength, it's been commonly said The difference between a coward and someone who is courageous Is what they do with their fear They both have fear But a coward is somebody who lets the fear drive And someone who is courageous Is somebody who turns the fear back to the Lord And trusts the Lord and step out But both people have fear So what we do with our fear matters And I love this exhortation Verses six and eight. And the Lord, he is the one who goes with you. He goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. So again, circle that in your neighbor's Bible. Tattoo it on your forehead. Tattoo it on your neighbor's forehead. I mean that hypothetically, of course. Verse nine, look what it says. So Moses wrote this law and he delivered it to the priests the sons of Levi who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded saying at the end of every seven years at the appointed time in the year of release at the feast of tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord, your God at the place, which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing, gather the people together, men and women and little ones and the stranger who is within your gates that they may hear, that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. Now, what Moses does here is he places this law in, he wrote this law and he gives it to the priests, the sons of Levi. So the Levites, as we know them from the Bible, right? So Jacob had these 12 sons. One was Levi. Their descendants, their job was to care for the things of God and the ark and the tabernacle, that mobile worship tent, and then ultimately the temple that would be built, designed by the Lord through David. Solomon was who got to build it and dedicate it, right? But every seven years... When everyone gathered together, notice it says in the year of release. So this was the what we would call the Sabbath year. Every seventh year, all the debts were forgiven. Ultimately, at the every fifty, the seven seventh, the year of jubilee, where everything was given. But there was also a smaller one every seven years, when slaves were freed and all this stuff. And on the Feast of Tabernacles, which would happen in the fall time, September October, everybody would show up and they would read the entire law. Now you might say, well, that sounds kind of boring. You know, like, can you imagine if I just read you all of the book of Deuteronomy? But you have to remember that in this day and age, everyone didn't have a Bible in their hands. Everyone didn't have like, well, I like listening to the Bible with a guy with an English accent, or I like it with a woman with an Australian accent, and I like it sounding like Shakespeare, and I like it sounding very contemporary, and, you know, it's like nobody had Bibles, So the only way for people to learn the Bible was to gather together every seven years and then people would memorize sections and they would gather together and talk about it. But nobody held Bibles. And so this was God's way of making sure that the word got into the people. And so as everyone gathered together. Now, of course, the Feast of Tabernacles was one of three pilgrim feasts where everyone gathered together. And on every seven year they had to read them the whole law. And what's beautiful, not only the men, but the women, the little ones, the stranger who's within their gates. And notice what God's plan is. The reading of the word, the studying of the word of God in the middle of verse 12, that they may hear, that they may learn what to fear the Lord your God and to carefully observe all the words of this law. So what is God's aims? One, that we fear him. And that we know how we ought to live. Now, I realize that fearing the Lord isn't something that's really all that popular today. But you have to realize that the Bible teaches that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? So the entry point to wisdom is fearing God. Now, I've said this many times here. I repeat it almost the exact same way because I really like the way it makes sense to me. That we should fear God in at least two ways. One, we fear God's authority. Why? Because God is the judge of all the earth. God has the right to say this is right and this is wrong. Now, some people say, well, I don't want to fear God. I don't want to fear his authority. Why would I want to fear a God that I love? Now, I'll give you an example. All of us fear authority. And I know it's true because if you're driving and all of a sudden there's a white car that's got black and lights on it, what do you do? You hit your brakes, right? 10 and 2, right? And you keep looking in your rearview mirror, right? Like, and because I have a, a nefarious background, I start worrying, like, do I have anything in the car like, that I'm not supposed to have? And I go through this whole thing because I've been there, you know? And, and I always say, now what I realize, I feel bad for police officers. Because everywhere they are, they're driving the speed limit. You know, because anytime time, you know, the police officers, everyone slows down. Like, it says 25, and like a police officer, you're going 22 miles an hour, like... Now, why do we fear a police officer? He has the authority to pull you over, or she has either to pull you over. They have the authority given by the county or the state or whatever, and they can write you a ticket, and then you have to pay the ticket, and then you have to get points on your license, and you have to explain to your spouse why you just wasted their money, and all this stuff that goes on. And so we fear that, and we fear that intrinsically. So if we fear a police officer who can issue us a citation, How much more should we fear? As Jesus said, do not fear him who can only kill the body, but fear him who can kill the body and cast the soul into hellfire. God, as the judge of all the earth, has the rightful authority to declare right and wrong, and we should fear that. Like, as a parent, I want my kids to love me, but I also want them to respect and fear the authority that I have. And you can... Have both of them we live in a world that it's like we live in an unnuanced culture. It's like our culture doesn't realize that Things that seem to be paradoxes aren't always paradoxes People say well, why would I ever want to fear somebody who I love and let me you So I said not only should we fear god's authority. I think we should also fear breaking god's heart I think part of loving someone is actually fearing hurting them like for me as a husband. I actually fear breaking lynn's heart and that's a good thing because I love her that much. I don't want to hurt her. I would never want to do anything that would hurt my bride because she's God's daughter and I love her and I can love her and fear breaking her heart. In the same way, like I tell my kids, I tell Obadiah, especially with my son, I say, don't you ever make your mama cry? Don't you ever make your mama cry? And what's funny is because he always says, he's always like, okay, dad, I'll, yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't break mama's heart. I'm like, I'm serious. That's, that's my wife. But I want him to fear hurting his mom's heart Why because he loves her and because he loves her Part of loving her is fear So it's not wrong in any way. It's not wrong So our culture says these things are different are disparate, but they're really not I think maybe the reason we have so many broken relationships is because people don't love enough to fear hurting somebody else And we should. And we should. So God's desire in us reading the word is first that we fear him. We fear his authority and we fear breaking his heart. And then we observe. Then we live. And notice the motivation for the way that we live is the love that we have for God. Religion is, I behave this way so that God owes me. And Christianity, God loves us. And because of God's love, we respond to his love by living a different way. And so, are you a person of the word? Are you reading the word? Are you allowing the word to both teach you to fear God, to fear him as the authority, and to grow the love that you have that you might live differently? See, God cares about how we live. And I think, unfortunately, like, I believe very much in that we are saved by grace through faith apart from works. Like, I know that I can never do enough good works to get into heaven, have some good days and some bad days. But I think what we have in the body of Christ today is we have an over-realized understanding of justification because we're so focused on making sure we know we're saved by grace apart from works that we forget that our understanding of grace plays out in how we live every day. We have a theology that's in our head of concepts that hasn't made it down to our mouths and our eyes and our hands and our feet. And I think what God is really interested in is a life that has been transformed by the finished work of Jesus. And the only way a transformed life plays out is in real time. In. you with your landlord you with your boss you with your employees you with your teachers you with your family you with your friends you when you're having a bad day you when you're out of coffee and you have a coffee headache all these areas is where real life and the fact that jesus is real is supposed to play on our lives
1: jesus is God's not interested in you simply saying you're a believer. He wants you to actually live out your faith every day. Pastor Daniel encouraged you today to take the love you have for your Savior and share it with the world around you. You can do this by reading his word and doing what it says. You can go where God tells you to go and do what he asks you to do. Obeying the Lord is a great way to show how grateful you are for what he's done for you.
0: I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank
1: you for prayerfully considering this. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will talk about ways to be courageous as you follow the Lord. And one in particular is memorizing scripture. This is a great way to remember what God has said, what the truth is that you're fighting for. This may seem like a daunting task, but Pastor Daniel will have some great tips on how you can go about memorizing the word. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Cause and Effect. Until then, may God bless.